Da, 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 da. Sing to Laura. Laura, really <laughs> miss you. We're starting our band without you. <laughs> we can add the percussions later. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Megan. I'm a mother of two with my Montessori training in lower elementary, which is ages six to nine. I am here with Rachel, soon to be mother of two, who has a Montessori training in infant toddler, which is birth through three years old. Unfortunately, Laura, the one third to our Montessori moms in the wild is not here tonight and we miss her dearly. She will be editing this. So... Laura, hi. We miss you. I hope you're <laughs> resting. If you are doing something productive, you're going to be in trouble. You need to stop. <laughs> you're in trouble. So let's start by catching up. What have you been up to this week, Rachel? It's just you and me. Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's been a normal week. My sister's wedding is now in a week and a half. So we're like FaceTiming every night, doing all the stuff, trying to get everything finalized. We have like, a, I guess, a bridesmaids luncheon is what you call it this weekend. And, and I like planned her honeymoon for her and stuff. Wow. And I have to figure out all these. Such a good sister. <laughs> I have to figure out like all this like traveling stuff still in the world we live in and it's really stressing me out. But other than that. How is she? Is she stressing out the bride to be? No, not really. Not really. She's, I mean, everything's pretty much done overall except like their ironing tablecloths, which thank God I'm not there for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think we're good. I think we're in pretty good shape. So I think she's feeling pretty good about things. I just don't want to screw their flight up or anything, and it'd be all my fault. I so. would be so stressed out to do that. That I, yeah. I mean, you've heard my traveling stories, and I have another one. <laughs> Clearly, <so>. Megan, <laughs> you don't need to be planning anybody's. I even. don't. Yeah, I'm not going to change my career to a travel agent. <laughs> so, how are you? How's your week been? It's been good. I was in. Speaking of travel, I was in Colorado this weekend for my sister-in-law's baby shower. And you're just been a travel bug, man. I know. I'm just all over the world, just going to baby showers <laughs> and Montessori <laughs> conferences. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting to stay at a hotel because Ooh. she had my other sister-in-law and her best friend and my mother-in-law, and everyone was staying at her house, and she has a baby and three dogs, and I was like, I 
will go stay at a hotel so that I don't have to like sleep on the floor next to the dogs. And <laughs> it was, I don't want to rub it in all of the parents' faces who are listening, but I'm going to. So I got to take a nap in the middle of the day. Oh my gosh. I know. I ordered food to my room and watched most of season two of Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, please. I went to bed early. I woke up and worked out at the hotel gym by myself. Wow. I had coffee and breakfast alone. I got dressed and like put makeup on and I just had all this energy and I was like, why don't I like do my hair <laughs> and enjoyed the party with adult beverages and my weight in cupcakes. I wonder where my daughter gets it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I came to this realization when I woke up in the morning and like went to the gym and did all this stuff in the morning that I'm not lazy. I'm just really tired. Yeah. And I, I know that that makes sense. And if I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't know, for a long time being pregnant for two years consecutively and then being postpartum, I just felt like, oh, this is me now. I just can't do the things I used to do because I just am not like motivated enough and come to the conclusion that I'm just really tired. And one night of sleep, I was up and doing it again. So yeah, she's in there somewhere. That go-getter, she's in there. Well, I just keep telling myself like it's just it's just this stage of life. Like, yeah, you know, eventually there will be a time where they're not waking up at these odd hours or not dealing with early morning wakings or a tantrum or a fight at bedtime. I mean, there's always going to be something, but when they're teenagers, like we'll be on the other end of it. Like they're going to want to sleep and I'm going to be the one up and doing my stuff. You know what I mean? So I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. That's what everybody <laughs> tells me. So I'm really hanging on to that. <laughs> In 10 years, we'll be fine. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you got your time. I'm jealous. I'm just, I'm just still pregnant. So I know, I know you're just crossing your arms, staring at me like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Great. You got breakfast in bed, Megan. Congrats. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> I probably woke up at like 530 Saturday morning to feed my child frozen pancakes. So that's my life. <laughs> he does love frozen pancakes. Oh my gosh. So I don't weird. understand. He ate a frozen pancake today when we got home from school, like pancake want me to heat it up no cold please I'm like oh my god whatever I remember the first time I saw him he was walking around with a frozen pancake <laughs> and you were like yep that's, that's what he likes and I was like okay <laughs> I don't even fight it anymore I'm like you do you I'm not eating a frozen pancake but by all means you go ahead and eat a frozen pancake oh that's so funny goodness okay we are going to dive into our topic today. So this is kind of, it's not directly Montessori. This is kind of like an independence point within the Montessori elements, maybe kind of, sort of. I'm not saying that correctly, but we're going to talk about toilet learning versus potty training. And it's two different things. I'll get to that soon. But when we're saying toilet learning, that's kind of what the Montessori aspect of independence is of the process. So it's not directly anything we've learned in training, anything like that. This is kind of just us being moms doing our research and me as 
as a toddler teacher, obviously, we researched this. My team of teachers researched this. So you don't learn toilet learning in your toddler training? It's like somewhat discussed, but no, not really. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's not my album. Okay, then I feel better about the fact that I don't super know what I'm doing. So it's definitely not in an album. I'm coming to this episode fully humbled that I have no idea what to do. We're in the process of this right now, and I'm here to learn from you and ask many questions. So you have the floor. Continue. Okay. So I'm just going to start with like basic like points. So potty training. Potty training is usually adult directed. It's like time bound, like setting a timer, a reward system, and you kind of add pressure on the child if there's an accident. Well, there's always that like... You see those books, it's like potty train in three days. So is that what you mean by time bound? Like we're trying to do it in this specific time frame somewhat by doing these certain things that you will read in a book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. And typically like when I'm also saying time bound, it's like the parents choosing when it's the time to do it. Oh, I see. Okay. Be like you're three, it's time. Let's do it. We have to now. Yeah. Whereas toilet learning is child-centered based on the signs of readiness, and we'll talk about signs of readiness soon, um, follows child's timeline and shows intrinsic motivation. So they're proud. I did it. I pottied. I poop. I pee. Whatever. No accidents. It's just learning. So you don't make a big deal out of the accidents. They typically have an emotional response, of course, because they may be upset that they wet themselves and their body's wet or there's poop in their underwear. But you're not putting pressure on them for that happening because they're still learning. They're young. They're controlling their body. And that's something very new for them because they've been in a diaper. So so I did read one book. And it's called Toilet Awareness, Using Montessori Philosophy to Create a Potty Learning Routine by Sarah Maudry. Yeah. Maudry? I don't know. And they call them, instead of accidents, they call them misses. Oh. Which I thought was really interesting so that it's not this idea that you failed, you know, you had this accident, but just that you didn't get the target. You know, we went, we just missed the toilet. Yeah. So I I really, I I use that with my daughter right now. I thought that was a, a cool terminology change. No, I like that. I need to start using that. I I didn't think of like calling it something else. Um, my little boy typically calls them uh-ohs and that's just what like he's just says uh-ohs and that's just <laughs> kind of the language he's used. So we just go with, oh, he had an uh-oh, but uh-oh can also mean a lot of other things. So one big thing um, I want to hit on is this reward thing I mentioned with potty training. So I mentioned nothing about rewards and toilet learning. And I think that's super confusing sometimes to parents. They're like, but but we want them to do this thing. So why wouldn't we reward them for that? But just like in almost everything else we discuss, I feel like on this podcast, it's just natural to use the bathroom, right? Like, I use the bathroom in the toilet now. Megan uses the bathroom in the toilet now. I do. So, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Every day. <laughs> Not going to brag. <laughs> so it's a natural thing that if your body is able to do, then your body's doing. So it's it's not something that we want to make this huge, like, 
deal because it's just a natural thing that happens. And I know sometimes it seems a lot easier to give that sticker, but you, you're not going to give them a sticker the rest of their life for using the toilet. So when do you break that? And then you get into all these other things. So just encouraging them to use the toilet. And if you're in kind of this sensitive period, which I'll talk about later too, when they're really showing readiness, they're not going to want a sticker. They're just super proud that they're doing it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about in that one, I forget what episode it was, where we talked about natural consequences that they're good and bad sometimes. So using the restroom would just, we'd get that natural consequence of the pee, whatever, going into the toilet and them doing their business and not being dirty. Like that's it's natural. Yeah. Yeah. We can't only want to use natural consequences when you've done something bad. We use it on both sides, like you talked about for intrinsic motivation and just this ownership. Because when we praise them with the stickers and the candy or whatever it is, we're basically saying, you did this for me. Here is this reward from me. And we want them, and we've talked about this a ton, to take ownership of their body. And I think we've kind of honed in on why that's so important. But that's like a big difference. I feel like one of the biggest differences in toilet learning versus potty training. Yeah. And when you say, like, I'm going to give you this reward if you are doing potty training, not toilet learning, it's putting this other kind of sense of pressure and it creates like this anxiety and feelings of failure a lot of times. Because if they don't do that, then they don't get the sticker. And that's like super upsetting. So that also like puts another whole element of feelings on the toddler. Yeah. I mean, it can make it take longer, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's going to, it could, it could totally backfire. And the other risk is that the use of rewards for toileting can lead to children, like I already said, expecting those rewards for almost doing everything, Mm -hmm. for finishing a meal, for for brushing a teeth. It's like you open one can of worms and then you have to give a sticker or an M&M or whatever for every single thing they're doing. And that's, you know, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Another main point kind of with potty training, it's just parent-led typically. So you're not meeting the child in this period. So so you know your kid. We say this all the time. Like, you know your toddler. You know your elementary student. You know your middle schooler. You know your child well. So when your child's wearing a diaper, some signs of readiness, they're staying dry longer. They're wet almost the same time every day. They're having a bowel movement the same time every day. They might be trying to take their diaper off and they might show interest in underwear or wanting to sit on the toilet or being interested in mommy or daddy or sissy or anybody else using the toilet. They're showing interest. It's not like that's toilet learning. When you're observing that, you're paying attention to those signs your toddler is showing you. Potty training is one day I come along and just say, okay, time to wear underwear. And you haven't at all looked at your child's needs, observe them with that. And you just expect, okay, we'll do underwear. And you expect for that to be successful. Yeah. Or prepared them. Because if you're listening and you don't have a toddler, say you're pregnant or you have a baby, this starts from the moment that they're born, that we start preparing them for this by using the correct names for body parts, for talking them through diaper changes from when they're able to stand to start standing up and changing their diapers and really making them a part of the process so that it's not just one day I'm in charge of your body and the next day 
voila, you're in charge of your body, figure it out, kid. So it's this gradual lead up. And then like you said, that is fully fueled by observation and with potty training. And I do want to say that if you do choose to potty train, that's fine. You know, this is for just for people who are choosing to do toilet learning. So there's no shame in potty training. You know, we talk about the reward system and and why we choose not to do it. But also if that's what you've chosen to do. Yeah, you do you. If that's what works. They'll they'll probably be fine. Um, But (laughs) I think I was given stickers. I was given stickers also. And I have a Montessori podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) we survived. We survived. Um, Of course, this is how we choose to do it. And so if you're interested in that, then come on board. But um, there's kind of this patience that you have to have from the beginning and knowing that you're going to do this. I do know that, you know, there are some parents in the situation that, of course, they would love to start from birth and then really let their child lead the way, but like maybe they're starting school and they have to be potty trained. That's happening with my child. She starts school in August and she has to be potty trained. And so there's like this pressure. I know you felt that with your child to walk where we would normally really let them lead the way. And then all of a sudden something comes along. So you can modify this to however. Yeah. To fit your family's needs. Your family. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that I feel like I was saying something else and then I forgot and did a total tangent, but we're back. It was a good tangent. We're back. (laughs) So I also think it's good. We kind of have a toilet learning checklist. So um, I kind of want to share that too. So if you do want to do toilet learning, these are like some of the signs of readiness. Follow simple directions. Dry after nap time. That was a big one for my child. It was like all of a sudden he was waking up dry from nap. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting because he was napping two, two and a half hours. That was a pretty good significant time he was staying dry. Were you doing stand-up diaper changes at that point? Yes, I have been doing. What would you say to people? Because I've said to people that I do standing up diaper changes and they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. What would you say to that like why I guess I kind of talked about why but like how do you make that successful without them running away with just feces all over their body (laughs) well I think I mean one thing start as soon start as early as you can because then it's natural for them to be standing up with you and a lot of times at least for me when he was like rolling and starting to crawl and move it was easier for me to have him up and doing that versus on the floor because if he was rolling then I felt like the feces would be like then on the floor instead of like, you know, more contained because he was kind of up and at my level and paying more attention to my face. Yeah. So one of the suggestions is often to once you do start doing diapers, standing up to move those into the bathroom so that they begin to associate changing of diaper with being in the bathroom. And they have, I don't know if you've seen them, but those bars that go on the on the bathtub so that they can hold on to them. Yeah, I have seen that. And then you can put a little basket with, because, you know, we talk about the prepared environment. I'm sure you're going to get into that. But you can start even before they start potty training or toilet learning that you can put their diapers and a bag of wipes and some extra change of clothes in a little basket next to the bar and they can hold on to the bar without you know, you jostling them around and them tipping over and you can change them successfully. I will say too, that changing their diaper standing up is a lot easier in public restrooms also Mm -hmm. because they get to a point that they don't want to lay down and it's uncomfortable and they get really 
stressed when you do that. So yeah. just standing them up is so much easier. Just take them into the big stall, change yeah, them. Definitely. I mean, at this point, I'm really fast at it. So I think it probably takes some time to. Yeah, because if you're not used to that. Yeah. I want to go back to stand up diapering. One other thing, though, to finish off toilet readiness, like kind of a checklist in your head, they need to be somewhat independent. They need to be walking, right? They have to be able to walk to and from the bathroom. They really need to be able to put themselves on the toilet, not you putting them on the toilet. Like if you're not in there at the moment, then they are able to get on the stool and sit their body down. And they need to be able to pull their clothes up and down. Not not fully, but as close to independent as they can. I mean, my little one's underwear is still you know, they don't come all the way up sometimes and I have to help with that. But the gist of it, he can pull them up without like getting super frustrated and his tail's not hanging out or anything. Yeah. And I guess that goes with too, we talked about this with shoes, but having clothes that are conducive for that. Because if you have them in jeans with a button and a zipper, even if they are ready, they're not going to be ready to do that. So looser clothes with maybe elastic waists and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess I'll go back to maybe bathroom environment setup. Should we talk about that now? Yeah, I have mine set up. I would really like to know what you have so that I can be inspired to see if I need to add anything. Well, so this is what I'm recommending. I don't have all these things in my home. I have close to all of them but not all of them. So um, bathroom routine visual cards, I don't have. It's something that in the beginning, I kind of talked more through like when we were really starting that, but it's not something I actually have hanging in the bathroom at school. Yes, I do have bathroom visual routine cards. So what, what is a bathroom routine visual card? So Maybe I can post on social media at some point. Um, kind of like a routine card like I, w- I have right now for bedtime routine because that's a fight right now. So I have like routine cards with that. So they go in. Pull pants down would be the first one. Sit on toilet. Second one. Toilet paper. Third one. Flush. Fourth. Wash hands. And that's it. Probably. Um would be just, you know, simple steps with pictures. So like the card has the picture so your child can look at that and see that. Then a stool. A stool definitely needs to be there to access the toilet and the sink so they can climb up freely and independently to do that. A toilet insert is pretty also important. There are a lot of things sold these days. Toilet inserts, little potties, this and that. As a Montessorian, we want, you know, real life, real things. So a toilet insert is more real lifelike because it's actually sitting on the toilet in the environment. So they're sitting on what we're sitting on, just a little seat that helps them not fall in versus a toilet that that can just be dumped. And of course, I have one of those for my car. Like we have an extra just to travel with or whatever But like in our house on a daily routine, we have the toilet inserts and that just gives him a more lifelike experience of using the toilet. Because if we go to Target, I'm not going to have a little toilet. So kind of letting them have the experience with what we use in everyday life. That's a really good point because we have a we have the like baby Bjorn small potty. And a big thing was that she wasn't really willing to try on the adult potty because it was big and scary. It's big and scary, yeah. But that's a really good point because now when we go out and about and and there isn't like in no word is she fully independent in this yet. 
like not at all, not at all. So we're still really in the thick of it. And she will not even try in a public place or someone else's home because she's still wary of it. And so I think that's a really good point that that's just preparing them for real life and there's not going to be a tiny potty everywhere. But how how would I make that transition? Like how, if I'm, if she's using that now and she's comfortable with that, how would we eventually start to get more comfortable with the big potty? I think just make it a goal one time a day. Let's try to use the big potty. Like start super small. And it's not a have to. Like don't ever make her feel like, okay, this is your only choice right now. Try Let's try one time today. I can hold your hand and you can climb on the stool together and you can sit your bottom down and push your pee out just like you would on your little toilet. Just make it a goal maybe to start trying once. And it may take two weeks before she's okay doing it. And that's okay. So just offer. Off, just make offer. It, make it yeah, an option. That's all you can do. That she can choose eventually. Yeah. She will that. eventually choose it. And, and I think a big part of that too is like we say modeling, which can be a little bit weird. Like you maybe don't feel super comfortable going to the bathroom in front of your child. But yeah, the more they see you doing it, then we're like, oh, okay, well, I want to do that just like everything else the mm-hmm. toddler sees you do, they also want to do. So if that's something you feel comfortable doing, and I'm mostly speaking to myself because I mean, I don't feel weird about that. I obviously don't have a ton of issues being public <laughs> about things. <laughs> we can't at this point. <laughs> we can't. And, and so, yeah, I feel like that's a great option and like way for us to move in that direction. And just offering it, modeling it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's all you do in the beginning, just like everything else. Like you said, that's kind of what we do with everything. And they get there. Another thing you want to do is have soap and like a towel at the child's level. So when they climb up, let the soap be available, let the towel be available. Some people, um, even in a Montessori child set up bathroom, have like just a bowl of water for them to access with like a bar of soap and a towel very low on um kind of a smaller table. I don't have that. He uses the sink. He climbs up. He has the soap that's reachable and a towel just hanging there. As long as the child has a way to wash their hands, then that's all that really matters. Yeah, they have some little gadgets on Amazon too that you can use to make the sink more accessible. Maybe something we should do is kind of come up with a little list of things Mm -hmm. And places that people can get toilet learning accessories. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. A laundry basket is also good because when they soil themselves, they're wet. They take their clothes off and it can go right in. Me and Megan were just talking about this earlier. I mean, my child had a poop accident today and I threw the underwear away. That was my choice. I was like, I cannot even think about cleaning this. So I trashed them. They didn't go in the laundry basket. But typically, if he just wets himself, then they just go in the laundry basket in the bathroom. And then I would immediately kind of grab those soiled clothes. Another thing that I just recently have done is have plastic bags, like food line bags, Lowe's Foods bags, under the sink for me. Because then if he does have that poop accident or have like some super yucky poop pants, but they need to be saved. I just drop them in there to know that I'm going to have to take them down to the laundry room at some point to spray and sanitize and then put in the wash. That's a good idea. I have never loved grocery bags more in my life at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So we have our whole kind of setup. So you have the insert, we have things ready to get their hands clean. We have toilet paper, all of those things. I've read mixed 
thoughts in the Montessori community about books. One half saying that it's distracting and that they should be able to focus fully on what they're doing. That has not been my practice. I have a basket of books next to next to her little toilet. So what are your thoughts on books? So my thoughts on books are I typically in the classroom and at home don't offer a book unless I absolutely like at home with my little one. I typically don't offer books into unless like I know he's holding it and it's like my last resort of okay you can you can read this book and just relax your body now and then when you're done you know finish reading it or whatever so it's kind of that's kind of me saying like you're using it as a reward but to me a book is not like the reward it's he's using it because he's Usually we're in a battle at that point and he's holding it for control, which is kind of where I'm at with his toileting process. He, It's really a control thing at this moment. So to not be in the battle, I just am like, hey, read your book and push your poop out. You can sit as long as you need. And I typically just walk away and it happens then. But I I, I don't really think that it's a bad thing. Like I'm not the Montessorian who's going to be like, you should not give your child books. Well, I mean, yeah, the school of thought wasn't necessarily that it's a reward, but that it's it doesn't allow them to fully focus yeah. on what their body is feeling when that's important for learning how to use the toilet. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, don't do that mostly because I wants and this is just kind of independent of my child she's really skeptical about the bathroom right now and she's starting to get more comfortable with it and part of that is because I've made it a pleasant experience yeah you want her to be comfortable with it obviously right we have you know she gets to pick out her book and we get to spend a little time together just her and I and so she enjoys it and so when I do say why don't we go try it's not this fight because she's like, okay, cool. That's, it's this pleasant experience for her. And that's the reason I've chosen to do that. Although I do see the merit in not using them. Uh, So I think it's one of those that it's up to you. Yeah, definitely. And your child, you know, if your child gets distracted by the books and maybe don't use them. Yeah, totally. Also, I just spoke about a little bit of power struggle and you did too, Megan. So I want to hit on that. A lot of times when you're in this toileting stage, when they've shown these signs of readiness, they're also at this control stage, right? It's just developmentally where they're at in life and it just kind of happens. And to be honest, it does suck (laughs) because all of a sudden they're showing you they're ready for this new developmental thing. So you're you're like, let's do this. They're ready. You're following them. But then also on the other end, it's I do it. No touch. My body. I need space. I mean, he he's in this whole, you know, stage of that, which is fantastic. But when you're trying to get them to use the toilet, it's also hard. So I just want to ask you, OK, so say I my child is you know, from the moment they were born, we did all the things. We talked about their body. I talked them through the process. They started to stand up. We did stand up changing, set up the environment, and now they're showing readiness for using the toilet. What now? What do I do? Because I feel like that's where I was at with my daughter. I was like, okay, we've done all these things. And now like, but what do I do? Do I just wake up one day and be like, here are your new underwear. Let's try. Do we try going once a day? Do we just 
all of a sudden 100% of the time? Does it depend? Like, what would you say to that parent who's almost there, but not quite? I always say to parents, start when your life has the capability to start. Like, if they're showing you the signs, say you have a free weekend coming up, start on that weekend. Maybe you can be home a lot. Maybe other people around aren't going to be like, you want to have visitors over, you're not entertaining anybody. The worst time you're going to start is even if you're, they're having all these signs, if you have like soccer game, you have to be at swimming lessons, you have dance practice, like that's not functional because you need them to be in the environment that they're, they're used to, that they're comfortable in, right? And if you are like running from place to place and in the car, that's not a successful setup for them. So the first thing I think is knowing as a parent, if they're ready, that you kind of have to carve out time for that. And there's not like a huge transition on the yeah. way. Like we're not getting a new baby in the exactly. family. Dad's not going away for business, like yeah. whatever it is that you're not moving. You're at a normal it's- time of life and you can kind of stay home and have them be comfortable in that environment when they're learning. And really, I recommend just doing it. Just have a ton of underwear and just we're saying goodbye to diapers today. and. Diapers completely. If you, I mean, I know nap time, there's a lot of things about this too. Nap time, sometimes you use one. Bedtime, more than likely at bedtime, you're still going to have to have one. They're going to soil themselves at night. It's just, I mean, especially my child sleeps like 11 to 12 hours at night. I don't hold my bladder for that long. So you, a, a diaper at night is fine at that point. And at nap time, if you're, if you're still doing that. But otherwise, I'll be like all in with underwear. I feel like a happy medium is cloth diapers. So we yeah, use totally. cloth diapers because they still you can still feel the wetness mm-hmm. and it doesn't fully wick away that moisture. So well, and that's that's another thing. A lot of times when you move to underwear and then you just buy pull-ups. Well, pull-ups are marketed to be like the underwear, like the easy way out for accents and stuff. But they actually, like a diaper has much more of a wet feeling. So when they are wet and soiled, that still feels super like not comfortable. Whereas a pull-up absorbs like differently and they don't feel as wet. So we actually at my school discourage pull-ups and want them to keep continuing to wear the diaper at nap that's what we encourage. That's actually what we require at school. I actually don't allow any pull-ups in the classroom just because. And when they're changing themselves, if they like a lot of times my toiletters at nap time, they can put on their own diaper almost functionally just because they're they're used to that. They're independent with that practice if they are still wearing a diaper at nap, whereas a pull-up, they're going to have to take all their clothes off again to like them pull up the diapers. Now, some pull-ups have the side tabs now. But still, a a whole diaper has these bigger tabs and it's easier for them to kind of hold and manipulate versus pull-ups. So that's kind of another thing that most parents are like, wait, I can't have pull-ups. And it's not that you can't. It's just the feeling of it is totally different. And and we want them to be feeling the wetness of that. Yeah. It might make the process longer. But I think language is key also as parents in this. If you are using the, you have to use the toilet or you need to use the toilet right now, or making it a question like, 
it's time to use the bathroom right now, okay? Or do you want to go pee in the toilet? Like, you can't make it mm-hmm. a question because, of course, my strong-willed two-year-old is going to be like, no. No. <laughs> I'm not going. No. That's exactly how he's, no. Like, okay. Yeah, you just set yourself up for that power struggle. Yeah. Instead so, of, we're going to go try. Mm-hmm. It's time to use the toilet now, mm-hmm. or this is the rule is you use the toilet. I, I do a lot of when and then statements. When you use the toilet, then we can go do the next, you know, whatever mm-hmm. we wanted to do. And it, and it works. Or I can see that, you know, you're holding your bottom. You're showing me you need to use the toilet. Let's walk together. So making it like not a choice. You're just like, and we say this a lot, actually, language is super important when we talk, especially with young children. And we talk about this probably almost every episode that if you make it a, a choice, and they're going to tell you no, especially at this age. So make sure you're giving them just the clear statement of, or your job is to use the bathroom now, I'll hold your hand and help you or you can walk by yourself. I have one last question. Mm-hmm. The kind of the typical timeline for potty training is around three, two and a half to three. And the toilet learning process starts much, much, much earlier. earlier. So why earlier and and what makes it harder about starting at three? Well, developmentally, when you're looking at a toddler, when they're three, they're already in this stage of mine, mine, mine. It's very much egocentric. They're in this stage of this is the way I'm going to do it. Nobody else is going to tell me any other way. And that's just the developmental stage of a toddler. It's just what happens really at that two and a half to three mark. And that's when you see a lot of battles happening. Typically, parents are like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. Everything's a fight. So if you do it before that window, when typically, if you are observing your child they are ready before two and a half to three. I know my child started showing major signs at like 18 months, but I wasn't physically ready as a mom and he wasn't fully there yet. And I, I'm a teacher, right? So my life is, our lives were busy. I didn't have time to just say, we're going to stay home for three days or whatever I wanted in my mind to do. So I followed him, but we did it over like a three week period when I knew I had holiday break when I knew I could kind of be relaxed and I could 100% follow him. And he was, let's see, 22 months old. I would say he's pretty fully toileted now. And gosh, how old are they now, Megan? Too old? I don't know. I stopped counting. 28 months old almost. They're two. (laughs) They're two. That's all that matters. They're two. Well, this has been great because I feel, I don't know, we've been kind of at this standstill but you know, it is a process. And so something I it is a process. want to wrap everything up by saying is that just as we do everything, one of the biggest parts of this is routine, is to create that prepared environment and to make this a part of your routine and to slowly implement things and to do what works with your family and what works with your child and what you're observing with your child. So again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you might see some trends. Prepare yourself, prepare the environment, make it a routine and be consistent. And that's basically what we can wrap up every aspect of the Montessori philosophy with. So yeah, I feel... Like I said, because we're really in this right now and I just feel more at peace with what we're doing of it'll happen in her time as long as we continue to make sure everything is accessible to her and that we're consistent in our language and in the environment and how we 
present this to her. So thank you. And it's not easy. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's it's not easy. It's It's one of the, I feel like it's one of the hardest things, especially toilet learning versus potty training as a parent, because you just want to put them on the toilet and you know when they have to go. And it's like, come on, please. But you have to let them do it. And, and that's how they become successful and independent in that. So. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm inspired. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's lighten things up to finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wild Europe. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I don't really have any crazy confessions other than throwing the Mickey Mouse underwear away today that were covered in poop. Well, <laughs> do you want to pull a me and tell us one of your embarrassing stories from when you were in elementary school? <laughs> That's what I was going to share a couple weeks ago. Well, um, there's one time when in fourth grade, I cut my hair literally like up to my cheeks. Like you cut your hair? I, I, I cut it. I started to cut it. Yes. <laughs> And it was really bad. So then we had to get it cut up to my cheeks. Why did you decide that you wanted that haircut? Because I was some crazy, weird fourth grader. <laughs> and you're like, I know it's going to look good. I also remember like this, the day I got my haircut, I wore like an Abercrombie ruffle skirt with leggings. Like, oh, and I yeah, thought those I was were... so stylish. What color was it? It was like yellow, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I probably wore like black leggings and Crocs or something. I thought that I, so I had an Abercrombie white ruffle skirt. And every time I wore it, I was like, I am hot stuff, man. Oh, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. With like my zip up hoodie. Yeah. Those tight zip up hoodies that had like jewels on them and stuff. Yeah. I was looking good with my straightened hair, like my bangs that were straightened. But like nothing else. <laughs> I used to strike my bangs or crimp. Did you ever crimp yes. your hair? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I wore just like all of the eyeliner. Yeah. All the eyeliner. Like black eyeliner with black eyeshadow, you know. Yeah. My hair literally took like years to grow back. I mean years. <laughs> I think when I got to ninth grade, I finally like it was really, really long again. And now like I've never really cut my hair since then to be honest like I get it trimmed and stuff but every time they're like do you want to cut any off I'm like no <laughs> I don't want to cut any off you're traumatized from fourth grade when I'm you traumatized. cut your hair I also cut my sister's <laughs> hair so oh, no. <laughs> and I remember my mom like coming in the office and me I cut her bangs off oh no that's the worst part because then they grow out all straight and- yeah I cut her bangs off and I remember my like I did it in the office over my mom's like desk or something and I closed the drawer and so the hair was just like laying there with the scissors <laughs> in the drawer and I remember her coming the in being like crime <laughs> what happened obviously she knew and she looked at my sister's head with no bangs and then she's like did you cut her hair no I didn't cut her hair but the evidence are right in front of me why would you ask me that? No, I love how parents always ask. Like they know, like she's sitting there with her bangs chopped off and you with scissors and hair in front of you. And she's like, mm, what happened? Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's the best. Okay, what's your confession? Um, I just wanted to continue my my travel stories because I just have a question. Like, are there people out there in the world <laughs> – or people who are listening that just 
go to the airport and just like get on a flight <laughs> and then get off their flight with like no problems, not one. Or like go on a, a road trip and just get to their destination. Is that – am I alone in that? I ha- <laughs> Like something has to happen. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I thought it was – pretty, I don't know, like I said, on brand. I was flying back home from Colorado and I was next to, like I was in the aisle seat and all of the seats around me were all full. And so I was next to this couple and I turned around and there were probably four or five rows with no one in them. And I was like, sweet, because I was super tired. And I was like, I'm going to take a nap and have my own row. So I got up and I went to the bathroom and then I just stopped at one of the last rows. Other seats, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just took a nap and I was like, I'll just grab my stuff on my way out. So I took a nap and then... very nap heavy episode. You had a great nap Colorado (laughs) weekend. And so when everyone started deplaning, I was one of the last ones because I was in the back of the plane. And when I got to the row that I was originally sitting in, I went to get my backpack. My backpack's not there. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I thought we were going to go here, but I, I was hoping not. I know. I know. And so I start kind of looking around under other people's um, seats, seats, and no one else is on the plane at this point. It's just all the flight attendants. And so they look at me, they're like, did you lose something? And I was like, yeah, my backpack was under my seat and now it's not. And so then they all start looking around. So the scene is that I'm walking through the aisles by myself with all of the flight attendants looking for my backpack. It's not there. And they were like, oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. Sometimes this happens. I was like, what do you mean this happens? happens. Sometimes people just take your backpack. I guess I'm too trusting in the world. But it had my laptop in it. It had my phone and it had my keys. And I had driven myself to the airport. So I was like... 1030 at night. I was thinking, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh. I don't have a phone. I don't have keys. Like, how am I supposed to get home? And my computer's in there. Like, ugh. So my whole mind started going, going, going. And they're like, well, why don't you go check the front? Maybe someone dropped it off. And I was like, why would someone drop it off? Obviously. Literally, I was on the plane with it five seconds ago. I know. Obviously, I didn't. You know, if you saw that, would you be like, oh. Let me take this to the front. No. Obviously, I didn't go. I couldn't leave. We were in the air. (laughs) So if the couple next to me were like, oh, she left it there. I never came back. Where did you think I went? Yeah. (laughs) Where did I go? I didn't jump off the plane. (laughs) So um, I went outside. The pilots ended up helping me. They they were trying to find it. So no one could leave this plane, these poor people, because I couldn't find my freaking backpack. And the pilots took me to the front and my backpack was sitting there. Someone had dropped it off. They took it off the plane <laughs> and dropped it there up the front. I guess they were trying to do something nice, but it doesn't really make any sense to me. No, because where would you have gone? Where would I have gone? I don't know. Long story short, I well, it's not. <laughs> it's not, it's not a long story. story. <laughs> I guess you just chose to sit somewhere else, and then your backpack was lost, pretty much. <laughs> I guess it's short story long. Short story long, someone moved my backpack to a different location that was safe, and I made that a very long story. So, yeah, but it was just like, I'm just really glad you found that. 
Yeah, it was the very end of my trip. So I was just like, this has been a really successful trip for me. You know, nothing happened. (laughs) I didn't embarrass myself. I didn't get any flat tires or, you know, it was just point A to point B, like a normal human. And then instead it's me and four flight attendants and two (laughs) pilots looking for At 10.30 at night. At 10.30 at night. It all worked out as it always does. Yes, it does. Well, thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, and rate. We are available on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Montessori Moms in the Wild or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. Bye. Bye. I don't know why I'm out of breath. I am too. (laughs) It's like I ran, but you're pregnant.